Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Whiplash Podcast. And I will adjust this so I can actually see you a little bit. But basically, yeah, so t- <laughs> this is going to be great. I love the technical difficulties. But that said, uh, this is the fifth episode of the Whiplash Podcast. And today I have Terry Lowe, also known as Get Low Media. How's that for an intro? That's perfect. You dig it? It's like you've done this before. Yeah, I've done it a couple times, something mm-hmm. like that. I, I don't like the downside of not being able to see you sometimes with the booms, but it works. It's all good. It, it, yeah. So anyways, I guess we can start off with where you're at currently in the car community. Because a lot of people know you as Get Low Media. Mm-hmm. You know, at first that kind of started off as you posting anything and everything to do with the car community, if I understand that correctly. Right. It was uh, initially conceived as automotive news and culture right. for the Minnesota automotive community. Um, but really, it, it revolved around a lot of the activities that I surrounded myself with, which included car shows, hanging out with the exotics, uh, doing specific cruises, um, formation of the Hump Day Cruise, which was a midweek cruise. Right. Uh, an opportunity to kind of break away from work for a moment, spend time with uh, colleagues who had a similar passion for cars, and uh, maybe take up a two-hour break or so. And then, of course, expanding it to some of the weekend cruises and then some of the longer cruises like the one we did to tail of the dragon yeah no i i missed out on some of those this year unfortunately because of college or job or whatever the case there's always an excuse but uh work always gets in the way work always gets in the way but i do i my favorite is the go-karting i feel like with our group we always get a crazy group mm-hmm. and we have a lot of talented people such as that such as alex in there mm-hmm. uh and he would just mix things up a lot but and the great thing about go-karting is it's an even playing field, assuming right. that you all have cars of similar capabilities. But um, yeah, it's really about driver performance and, te- and technique. And yeah, that's a lot of Very little differences in the go-karts. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. sometimes you get one of those go-karts that just suck. A little bit. Where the tires just yeah. stink. But Stockholm is, I mean, there's just no better track around us. It's really absolutely isn't. fantastic. You know, you've got elevations and you've got these tight turns and you've got plenty of area for passing. Um, unlike some of the other ones like ProCart. You can't you know, pass. It's a little tight. tight. I mean, you can do it, but you have to be very There's precise. There's specific turns you could really go for. It. Right. So you don't watch Formula One, though, do you? I don't, but I've, I've seen a lot of you guys talking about it and yeah, how exciting the, the season's been. The season's been crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that, I mean, you'd probably be a Ferrari supporter, I'm guessing, but maybe not. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it, not. I'm not just a brand loyalist. I'm, I'm also interested right. in following the drivers. Right. Well, because you, you also have a... A decent amount of cars that are all completely different from one another because you Absolutely. got the, the daily the model three mm-hmm. which is a dual performance then you got the 458 italia mm-hmm. do you okay are you're not a stuck up ferrari owner i've known that for a <laughs> while now but is there anything that that's stereotypical about you in that ferrari i don't know i mean i i see cars as an extension of your authentic authentic personality right. and there are very unique things about the Ferrari, but I would say that I en- I've enjoyed every type of car that I've owned, uh, and they all speak, right. speak differently. So, you know, however many cars you have for the, each day of the week, you decide. You've got enough keys to say, I feel like this today. I'm going to go out. Um, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying I'm not a brand loyalist because I've been more than happy right. to drive all the different brands out there. Like a Miata. <laughs> I would drive a Miata for, let's say, like a, a autocross or a spec class. I think the oh, Miata would be a fantastic dominate. car. Yeah, it was an ND2 or whatever series it was, but um, it's a wonderful platform. It's been around for a long, long time. Well, have you seen, like, you're, are you talking about, like, the Miata racing groups mm-hmm. or whatever? Or not mm-hmm. the groups, like, the actual, like, 
Yeah, it's highly competitive. I was watching that at my gym one time. They had it on a TV, and they were just like bumping into each other because it's like it's low cost, right? I mean, I'm sure they have budget restrictions, but absolutely. I mean, can you imagine doing a race series with an exotic? I mean, your consumables would be outrageous. You're spending, you know, X amount on tires, X, you know, the maintenance repair. I mean, it's astronomical. Mm-hmm. But then, so th- here's the thing: you also have the Acura NSX, right? And you had the old one at one point before you got rid of that bad boy, mm-hmm. but. That's also so different than the other two cars, right? It's kind of like, a, it's like the in-between between the Tesla and the 458. Right. In, in some ways, but it's also the ultimate track weapon that you have. It is. Actually, I would say that the NSX, which is the Gen 2 NSX 2017, performs better on track than the 458. Um, right. The 458 can, is, is basically a handful. I mean, unless you're a highly skilled driver. Uh, the NSX has enough nannies in place that make you feel like you're an amazing driver. Um, plus, you know, it's got the three electric motors that can pe- pull you out of corners very, right. very easily. It's extremely predictable. It's a modern vehicle with it being a 2017 versus the 2010 okay, Ferrari. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and it's all-wheel drive. Right. Right. So, What's the bias in it? Is it like 70-30, 90-10? I'm not clear. Um, I'm sure all the electronics will help you to determine, right. you know, where it's going to put the power. So it'll, it'll notice if there's any slippage. And, and just put the power down accordingly. But um, yeah, the 458 is is a huge handful to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy for somebody to get into that car for the very first time, get a little out of hand, and wrap that thing around a pole. Oh, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. the, what was it? It was a 488 that was that flipped on Tail the Dragon, right? That's right. Was that Pista? Well, we saw... <laughs> I don't know if it was a Pista. If it was a Pista, that would be extremely sad. Yeah. Those Pistas are The diamond quite dozen expensive. Pistas, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that very... Rare, but not rare car. Yeah, I don't know. Like the NSX was very easy to handle, highly predictable in the corners at Tail of the Dragon. The 458 would be more fun, though. I feel like with the 458, because it is more an extreme vehicle, there's the sensation that I could kill myself. And that's why it actually adds to the fun factor, because you're not in full control. Right. Well, it's kind of like that old saying, like, you feel the most alive right before death or whatever, like, or however that (laughs) saying goes. But it's like... How much do you want to do that to yourself? And here's the thing. I was never a Ferrari guy until I met you. And I still am not. I, I'll always, and some people might not like me for this, I, I, I'll always lean towards the Lamborghini poster. That's just me. Um, I think it's just because it's just much more outlandish, whereas Ferrari is a little more refined. I think that's kind of due to the history. Yeah, I think overall that may be true. The audience profile for Lamborghini versus Ferrari is quite different as well. For the most part. You have a younger audience profile with the... Uh without Lamborghinis right? and uh, a little more mature on the Ferrari side of things. But with the, the 458 I, I have, I feel like it's right in the middle where it hits, the, hit, hits all the highlights that a younger audience member would want. For right. example, the engine, the engine note, you know, any aftermarket parts you want to put out like an exhaust. Like you have a, is loud. it straight piped completely? or It's not straight piped. It's got high flow cats and, and then a um, X pipe setup for the muffler section. Okay, so it's not completely there. It's almost there. It's almost there. Yeah, because yeah, I, I always forget what the exact setup is, but that's why I like these podcasts, by the way. I can just go back and be like, all right, let's see if I remember everything about this person's car mm-hmm. or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I've had these conversations with you before, but it's like you can only remember so many people's exhaust setups, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I mean, I love that car. That, that, I mean, that, that's one of those you just kind of have to hang on to. Absolutely. Um, you know, I had thought about selling it once in a while, but I go back and I, I reminisce on how much personality the car has. And I don't think there's been a car that I've owned 
that has as much personality as a 458. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's raw. It's the rawest car in your arsenal. You know, you know that's where the NSX is a weapon. Mm-hmm. And the, I missed a Prius, man. I, I, I kind of still wish I got that thing. <laughs> when I tell people I almost bought a Prius, they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> You're a car guy. I still love that thing. And that goes to prove, because I, I used to own a, a Prius. I thought, what year? A 2010 Prius. And it just goes to prove that I'm not a brand loyalist or a snob of any particular yeah. type of vehicle because they all serve different purposes. And the Prius did what it was intended to do very, very In well. In spades. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just like the same thing with the uh, Tesla Model 3. Right, it's. I wouldn't say it's got. It's high on the personality. I mean, it, it's almost like it's like driving a refrigerator. There is no personality whatsoever. <laughs> it's faster than any car that I own, but that novelty wears off very, very fast. Oh, I'm sure. Because I remember. I, I mean, you let me drive it as well, and I, like, I mean, I think I was giggling for a little while. I think I think we had the video somewhere, but mm-hmm. it's great. But you can only do the speed thing so many times. Now, granted, you know, when you get into much higher speed and like 1,000 horsepower plus, uh, I'm sure that novelty takes a while longer to wear off, but I'm sure it does. There's a difference, though, because you, you know, say 1,000 horsepower, are you talking about a Plaid or are you talking about a, a boosted GTR? Or Either high? or. Because, I mean... Well, highly modded GTR is going to give you a very different experience. True. Let's say, you know, you bought the, uh, the Plaid edition of the Model S. You know, it's it's breakneck. What is it? One point nine seconds or whatever it is. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Extremely fast. And I saw one take off at a light recently, and I it was blew my mind how fast it was. But it did it with so little emotion that it's just gone. It was just gone. You might hear like, a tire chirp at best. Yeah, barely, barely. But it it was impressive. Um, but again, I think that novelty will wear off pretty quickly. You know, at roughly one hundred thirty is what they go for. There's a lot more emotional cars that. I think you can purchase. However, that model, that plaid would be ideal for Monday through Friday type situation, right? Right. Just as a commuter, you can fit four or five people in it without any issue. And it's got decent range. But as a Saturday, Sunday car, is that the car you would choose? Or would you choose to take out the Huracan or the Ferrari? Yeah. I mean, which one do you do donuts with? Let's try to get that a little bit closer to you as well, just so it's a little... I'm not trying to hit you in the face. Okay. Make you look at that part. Yeah. A little bit more. So the second part of the that works too, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you should be able to hear you a little bit better. Okay. Just because. Just want to make sure it picks up on you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, should be good. Let's let's hear it. Test, test, test. Yeah, should be good enough. Okay. Just want to make sure I have something to work with. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was just like a one-way podcast, which I was thinking about doing just just me, like a full-blown background story, but. We'll see if I go forward with well, that. There may be an interest. Um, you know, you can survey your audience profile right. and see if uh, that'd be of interest. I think they would be. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the audience will continue to grow, obviously, yeah. you know, because uh, here's the thing. I've noticed that a lot of people don't really know how to listen to podcasts. Some people think you just throw it on and do it in one go, which isn't necessarily the case. I mean, otherwise, Joe Rogan wouldn't be making the money he is today if you had to listen to a four-hour podcast in one go. Uh, but I might be adding another format where I'll have... Uh, quote-unquote expert with me and we'll kind of see like what's the news in the car community and go over it you know and the reason that would work is because i'm an idiot so i'd have to have this person smarter than me when it comes to cars explain it in layman terms you know so i'm just something i'm throwing around but yeah that's uh bringing the subject matter expert for example we talked about joe where he can talk about automotive repair the state of automotive repair in the current day of 2022 
uh, what type of cards are most ideal to work yeah, on. I need to do one with him yeah. for sure. Yeah, he knows quite a bit. He's so far out there. Uh, unless we ended up doing like uh, the three of us, that might work better just having meet here or something. But we oh, can yeah. figure all that out. That, yeah. that, that, that's for a future episode. But no, Joe... He's a funny guy. It just, it just he's someone you can have good stories with. So we're talking about Joe Straybell, who's a good friend of mine and also a local automotive mechanic. Uh, he was the one who actually works on all my cars. Um, right. He's my go-to guy because I trust him more. And your co-driver. Than, than taking him. Yeah, he's been on a, a co-driver on quite a few rallies. That I've, actually, almost every rally I've been on, Joe has participated. I think so. Is there any as a co-driver? Uh, maybe one of the earlier crowns. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What did you take for the year? Like ninety-one NSX. Oh, that's what you took back mm-hmm. in the day. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of back in the day, I mean, I think let's see how how memory serves. That's a good looking sunset out there. Wow. Um, but uh, if memory serves, you were a Lexus guy early on. Or was I it have had a Lexus. I've had. But I was along the way. Yeah, I had an SC four hundred, uh, and then an IS three fifty, an ISF. Those are the only Lexuses, yeah. So what, what what was the car that got you into cars? Because you used to be out on the West Coast at some point, right? California. Yep. And somehow I ended up here in Minnesota. But um, the the car that helped me catch the bug was a 91 Civic Si. Okay, I thought it, it was a Civic for whatever reason. Yeah, and it came in teal. It was a hatchback. And uh, I had an opportunity to, to work on it slowly, of course, but eventually put every single mod and this is during the heyday of car modifications. Um, I think I got the car in 1993. Okay. So it was it was just two years old, but you know, hot import nights and the whole tuner scene it was huge. And this just exploded. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't even include me taking the car out uh, Saturday nights for the illegals. Oh, <laughs> it was quite the culture. And this was at the peak. I mean, it had maybe it hadn't peaked out yet, but it was definitely on its way up. Um, that culture has subsided a little bit, of course, as everybody right. knows. Um, there's a little bit of that here, but I've also grown up. So you don't, now, you're not involved in it anymore, right? Not, not in not in the night scenes. I think now the night scene's a little different, you know, with the takeovers and yeah, it's it's a little more it's rowdy. Street racing. Well, there, so I, I I've been learning a lot about the street racing scene around here because I'm not involved in that, but mm-hmm. I like to keep a pulse on all the different things going on. Just you know, nature of the beast for me, but. Uh, yeah, I, I've known, I've learned that there's like a ton of different clubs, and some of them do it right, some of them don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but social media has changed the game a lot too, right? Right. So people can receive, uh, you know, the latest information on where, when, what to look out for, and it's a lot more organized in that Way respect. Um, before we were basically just, uh, it was relatively smaller, but we had to have cell phones, right? Cell right. phones was is how we communicated at the time. But it, was it effective? It was okay. But you can do mass communications through right. social media. Like a lot of nowadays, I believe, like at least what some of the groups do is they like Snapchat, you know, what the next location is. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, gone, you yep. know. Yep. Um, so they level the playing field a little bit because, you know, police officers have such great communications. Right. And so for us to have similar type of communications, even on our rallies, uh, you know, we've got our walkie-talkies. Which are illegal. And- and radios and everything. <laughs> oh no, no, these are mild rallies. These are cruises that we yeah, do. Yeah, these are these are cruises with a lot of exotic and <laughs> modified vehicles. So, what kind of power was the Civic putting out back in the day? Any idea? Oh, probably. I mean, it was 108 stock, and I think probably with the aftermarket mods, maybe like 120. It, you know, you've got header exhaust, air air intake, the basic bolt-on type stuff. Unless you go force induction, 
Right. But um, I didn't have the budget for that at the time. Right. You didn't go all the way. Like you weren't crazy. But you know what? I've, I I made this comment to someone the other day. I was like, because it was uh, basically in regards to the Honda Accord. Like there's a car guy and he's into a Honda Accord. And I've never heard a story, and I hope I get proven wrong, but I've never seen a guy who started out with an Accord ever really like go crazy in the car community like get like really like stay a car enthusiast their whole life and really upgrade over time versus if you're a civic guy at heart for example you have an entire arsenal of cars now wheeler is another example he was a big Mm -hmm. civic guy back in the day yeah i think there's like a trend here if you start with a civic you're always going to be a car guy and you're always going to be moving up but maybe i'm just full of it (laughs) no 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 i think part of the part of it all is the audience right the right the target audience for a civic you know, they want to be able to, they have a lot of parts to choose from. Sportier too than an Accord. And that it's adds a, a lot to the fun factor. Right, exactly. So so you think about the typical person who buys an Accord, you know, his priorities are a little bit different. Um, there are Accords, and I remember some absolutely beautiful Accords that were modified crazy build back in the day. And yeah. and those guys are still car, car guys to this day. But yeah, you think about the practicality, the function, the entry point. You know, Civics are, are more affordable than Accords are. Right, naturally. but I would say, yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, the Civic guys are going to continue to be uh, pretty outlandish when it comes to you know the car community. But Accord guys too. You know, there are passionate people who, um, you know, regardless of where they start off and where they end up, you know, it's car car passion in their in their blood. Yeah, it just it. I think it's different for everybody. You know, like where they start, but they always kind of come in the middle. Like I know guys who have worked, you know, with muscle cars their whole life. Then you meet guys who have been in the JDM scene. It's, it's just, it's weird how everybody kind of comes to the same answer using a different equation. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it's always been interesting. I was looking at the Type R. I've always loved the Type Rs. Which one? The new Type R. The, the new Civic Type R? Civic Type Rs, yep. Okay. Uh-huh. And I was looking at them, and I swear, if they didn't go up 15, 20K in price, I might have pulled the trigger on one just because they... They were pretty, I mean, dude, what you get for 40K is insane. Mm-hmm. But then now they're going for 60. And it's like, well, no. And they had that yellow um, LE, the limited edition model. Oh, yeah, yeah. I they had about that one that. available. Yeah. yeah. Benny in our group was trying to sell it. Or at least he had a link about it. Benny. Which Benny? Benny, he won the first round. Oh, that Benny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he had one? Well, he had one at the dealership. Oh, really? But okay. they had... A significant markup on it, so it sat for a while. Right. I don't know if it was ever sold, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic car. I've had a chance to drive that, not the LE, but just a normal Civic Type R. It was fantastic. Just the wonderful. Uh, the shifting mechanism was buttery smooth. Uh, the response was fantastic. The engine response handling was great. My only reservation about that is just the styling. It's a little bit too boy racer for for my taste. It is a little bit, yeah. You know, I think the original ITRs were a little more elegant. So, but you know, we were hoping, <laughs> we're hoping with the new um, Acura Integra that they were gonna release either yeah. a Type S or a Type R variant. But the styling is so controversial, even for the base model that was just released. Yeah, it uh, it's not. I don't know. It, it it we'll see what they do with it. It's a little disappointing. I know a lot of people were disappointed about it. It just seems like car makers are doing more and more to just. They're asking everybody to be a part of development, right? You know, when they're surveying these people, they're trying to build a market. They're trying to make the perfect car for everyone. And by doing that, they kind of lose an audience, I feel. You can't blame them, though, because they have to move units. And that's how it goes, too, you know. And that's kind of why 
I feel like the Goliaths will just kind of keep doing Goliath stuff, but then you get passion brands like Lamborghini, you know, they'll keep doing stuff. And I, I'm starting to see this a little bit with Ferrari, but I think they're doing all right so far. Uh, Ferrari's getting watered down too. No, no, no. Modern for sure. They're getting yeah. modern, but I don't know. The SF90, I'm still skeptical about it. It just doesn't yank at the heartstrings like a 458, you mm-hmm. know? No. And a lot of the modern Ferraris won't um, just because the implementation of turbo and the sounds. I mean, Ferrari was very, very well known for their sounds. Sound the, the 360, yeah. the 355, the 430, and the 458. And then after that, when you get to the 488 and up, that force induction really just mutes I'm the sure personality. I'm sure they just took out a muffler or something, it would sound decent, right? I mean, it has to. It's still a V8 there. You can. I mean, there's aftermarket parts available and some nice quality ones as well. Like I'd love to hear one. I still haven't. I should probably just Google it at some point. Yeah, you can Google it. It's just, it still doesn't have that, the brilliance. Like I was watching a straight-piped 430 video the other day because I'm trying to convince my buddy Eric to get one. (laughs) And he's considering it now because he's, he, he really wanted a McLaren, right? We talked about this. I think this was episode three. 570? Yeah, right. So... You know, there's good aspects. There's amazing aspects to it. It's a phenomenal car, but then it's also a McLaren that breaks down, as we know from several of our friends who have had issues. Oh, yeah. But 570 supposedly is the more reliable of, right. of the series. So if you were to buy one, that's probably a better one. So now, you know, the 430 has come back into the conversation because before, he didn't really necessarily blow it off, but he's like, ah, oh, but it doesn't have the doors. You know, it's I, that's the big thing for him is, you know, mm. style. Uh, that, that, that's the reason anybody wants a Lamborghini, uh, is the doors. I mean, unless it's a Huracan naturally, but unfortunately, yeah. but I don't know. I think, I think the, the Lamborghinis are wonderful because they all have very unique personalities and every they're, single one yep. and they're, they're outlandish and I love it. Right. And I was pleasantly surprised. I took a road trip with a buddy of mine to Las Vegas and we rode in his Huracan long, long trip. I just figured my back is going to be killing me, but the car was well. amazing and it didn't. My, my back was holding up perfectly. My seat was never, I started, my, my butt was never sore. Uh, the seats were firm, compliant, just amazing. Really, really great I car. I really wish you chopped up that sentence on accident. Instead of saying <laughs> the seats were firm, my, my glutes were firm. It was a solid ride. No, no, I was no. clenched the whole way. Again, I saw the videos. <laughs> yeah, I saw a certain uh, kilometers per hour on the the speedometer. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to top it out every once in a while just to make sure the car's running properly. The gas tank, you mean? Yeah, um, got to top that out. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's just there's just something about car culture as a whole. You got to move the mic every once in a while, just be okay. engaged. There but, we go. So I guess that said, so that's your past. You have your present. What's coming down in the future? I know for a while, you know, you've always said the dream car was like an LFA or a Pagani. I mean that that's a wild reach of a goal, but yeah, the um, the LFA was always a car. I remember seeing the LFA at the Pebble Beach Food and Wine. Did you see the one that went up for sale recently? Mm-mm. Silver with red interior, gorgeous oh. spec, oh. seven hundred nineteen thousand. Yeah, I believe it. I remember when I was at the Food and Wine, it was the same thing. It was a silver LFA, and I said, "I'm going to have that car. I'm going to have that car," and I didn't even realize how much it was. I remember when. When it first showed up on the internet, I said, "Late, let's just put a down payment on it." I didn't realize how much it was gonna right. be. It's a Lexus. It can't be more than a right. hundred. Right. Yeah. I, th- that was my dream car at the time, and it was you know a fantastic car, but I couldn't afford it. And so you know life goes on, but it has proven to uh, hold its place in in the hierarchy of supercars. In automotive history, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know. I mean, it's a. I was watching a Top Gear episode about it, and 
you know, Jeremy Clarkson is, he says it's his favorite, favorite car ever, even despite its quirks and features that, you know, are unpleasant or mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, I remember seeing the, the Huayra at Cars and Cars. Did you see, were you there at that show when you saw the Pagani? No, I've, but I've seen plenty of Paganis and Huayras and uh, Kinesegs when I was at the uh, Car Week in Monterey. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but So do those tug at your heartstrings at all? Like yeah, the, those are absolutely beautiful. Those remind me of exquisite pieces like a Rolex or an AP or, right. or a paddock. I mean, those it, it's that level of precision where right. it's no longer just about automotive performance. It's about automotive luxury. Right. And it, it's just taken it to, the, uh, to another level. I got to meet both of those guys at Car Week, which was amazing. So if you haven't had a chance to go out to California during uh, the Pell Beach Concourse and Monterey Auto Car Week, you really have to go. It, it's such a delight. You get to meet so many celebrities, famous people, automotive so manufacturers. So you met the gentleman that owns the Pagani here? No, or? no, no. The guy who makes the Paganis. Oh, okay. The owner okay. and the oh, Ken- yeah, and Kenneth. You posted about that, I believe. That's right. right. Horatio Pagani, I believe mm-hmm, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got some stuff signed from them as well. So it was a real treat to be able to meet the man behind the machine. That's bucket list, man. I, mm-hmm. I want to do Monterey Car Week. I mean, I have a few ideas that I'm going to keep off the air for the future. I'm sure people can infer, but... Yeah, I, it's bucket list to go out there. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't. I liked California. I didn't love it, but also we went like during the peak of COVID when we picked up Jeff Storm's Noble. Mm. Not the peak, but yeah, I'll take you around. We there. There's a lot of YouTube YouTubers that now end up at Monterey Car Week, right? So it's uh, the last one I think was pretty heated and pretty spectacular with like Damon and yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was two years ago, or maybe more than two years ago. That might have been pre three was years ago. Yeah, yeah it was before COVID. There was a lot of drama regarding that. I think it might have been two because I was somewhat into the car community. Ah, who knows, man? I'm coming up on year four of Monoxide. Mm-hmm. Time flies, man. I'm getting old. You know, my back hurts. You know, it's okay. It's, it... <laughs> my recommendation is don't get old. Don't get old? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll work on something for that. But going back to your question, you know, in terms of future dream cars, a LaFerrari would be absolutely wonderful. That's a car with presence. Just so beautiful i mean everything about it is exquisite and you can sit and look at that thing for hours and still be amazed and and always find find new new features new lines new attributes about the car that completely blow your mind and that's that's what i appreciate most it's not necessarily because it's fast or expensive it's just exquisite and just sensual right amazing you know why i love the la ferrari so much because it's the most Lamborghini-ish Ferrari in the lineup. <laughs> and that's why it's just aggressive in every aspect. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you're not going to get me away from that, unfortunately. They did that with the the Type S variant of the Acura NSX. So they ended up producing 350, and they redid um, the front oh, yeah, bumper yeah. Yep. And, and some of the styling around the vehicle to make it look Lamborghini-esque. Kind of. I can kind of see it. I, I, just, I think they took some the aggression or they added aggression to it right and i, I love the look of it yeah um, weren't you considering yeah i was on the list for it but i wasn't allocated one so you weren't really so i'm on to other things and uh, so right now on my radar um is the z06 corvette which i'm waitlisted for oh the the new c8 the new c8 right so if i were to receive an allocation i'd probably opt for the z07 which is the track pack. Right, naturally, yeah. So would that be the replacement for the NSX or an addition? Oh, I would probably just add. I don't know. I don't know. It depends on garage space. You store that, buddy. Well, I'll take the Tesla and I'll put it outside. 
Yeah. Um, That'll do great for the batteries. Yeah. There's like the other thing that I'm on a wait list for is the, we don't know what model year it will be for, but the Toyota Supra GRMN. Okay. So that's going to be like the crazy edition, I'm guessing. Right. It'll probably be 500 ish horsepower uh, M3 motor oh, vers- wow. versus the 3.0 motor that they have in the current premium Supra. Um, they do offer limited edition series, like for example, right now it's the carbon fiber A91, and I don't know mm-hmm. how many made, like I don't know, a couple hundred, however many. But that's the special variant. I didn't for know that this was in year. the pipeline. I mean, I'm, I sure I should have known, but because uh, so remind me, was Alex Sajadi's M4? I think that's the same M3 motor, I believe, right? Uh, no, it'll be the newest. Uh, I believe it's the newest BMW, which is the G8. X series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they right. But his think, was an older M4. But I believe our M3s and M4s. I think they've always shared the same motor. Or am I thinking of M4s and M5s? No, M3s and M4s typically share the same motor. Right, but I so think his series, his his was an older motor. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. but his was pretty tweaked that's out. Gonna, yeah. So I mean, if history speaks anything, I think that's going to be a very tunable car then. Yeah, you and and now in, you know yeah. the the Supras are well the. Um, first gen, which is the A90, was highly tunable. So you can get it to 500 horsepower very easily. And there's guys taking it well over. So it was designed and rolled out as a tuner car. Um, and you, I don't know, you didn't come to SEMA with us, but it was the highlight of <laughs> SEMA during the year we went. There was probably so oh, a I zillion know, Supras. A ton of them. It was, it was outrageous. But um, then now they've got the A91, which uh, is slightly upped in horsepower, probably about 50 or so. Right. And What's what's newsworthy about that particular model? They locked it up. They locked it right, but now the tuners have come out and they've unlocked it, which is great. So Finally. they're sending the ECUs over to Russia, getting them cloned, sending two ECUs back, and you can just plug and play. And then of course you can put your tune on top of that. So it's really opened it up. Where before the A90s, the original series, uh, the original year of the Supra, people were holding on to those for dear life because it's like, yeah, these are tunable and the other ones are not. But every, it's it's level the playing field, so they're all tunable now. Yeah, I didn't know that they were, they finally cracked it. I know that, I know a lot of people were complaining about it. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was talking to my brother, like, hey, when the time comes, Supra or GTR? And he's like, ah, Supra, you know, and I, I kind of, Especially if it's tunable, right? Because he's like, oh, you had to get a 2020. And I'm like, yeah, but then... The, that I, used to be true. Right. But also I've heard, I always forget her first name, but she actually sold her... It was the Red Supra around here, or in Wisconsin, rather. And Supras, and they're actually kind of known for having this issue, uh, like the steering wheel lockout while driving. So it will, like, you'd be driving and it'll just lock straight on. I've never heard of that. That's a huge safety issue. Huge safety issue. I mean, it's not like insanely common, but it's not like I Googled it and it didn't take me long to find it. Did they do a safety recall? I can't recall if they did, but I know that she just sold the Super. She, she said she was terrified of it. You know. Wow. No, I had not heard of that at all. Yeah. So it's kind of oh, Toyota to trying to cover it up. You know, I, I have a friend who's a diehard Toyota guy. He works for Toyota and everything, uh-huh. and he will def it until they until the day he dies and don't get me wrong i i like toyotas but they're not perfect as yeah. with any car manufacturer now he may right. argue that well it's less blah 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 blah. but they all have their uh, quirks and features as doug demuro may say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if i would have blind allegiance for a particular brand no i gave up on that when i got in the car community so i used to be a dodge guy you yeah. know my, pretty much my whole life you know because my dad worked you know 
for uh, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, you know, Mopar, you know. And I used to hate on Beamers and then, you know, whatever. I, I hate it. I, I was just like, ah, this is the best for this reasons. And don't get me wrong. Hellcats and all those cars, Vipers, they are very strong cars in certain aspects. But then I started driving some of these cars like Alex's BMW or your NSX across the street, which, I mean, that, that wasn't much of a joy ride. But, you know, starting to see like, oh, wow, so this is what something different is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just something to consider, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there it's... it's admirable that somebody has brand loyalty and a passion for it's you dumb know most of the time but, though but you know to expand your horizon and see that there's a, a wide breadth of amazing vehicles out there right and, and they're all unique in their own right right so if you want gobs of power then a hellcat or a red eye would be uh, it would put you know a smile on your face you know ear you to ear. smoke tires you want to have power great if you want a mm-hmm. fast car you know that that's fast, but you want the fastest. Well, shit, we're getting a Tesla, son. You know, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I think that's what I've learned over time. You know, I've been in the game since 93 and, uh, you know, been had the luxury of owning several types of vehicles. And at the end of the day, it's not about right. what's more right than others. You know, I think that's what we see a lot in social media. Um, with all the bantering that goes back and forth, everybody has to be right. And you right. know what? It's not true. You don't have to be right. You can have a position and an opinion on something, which is absolutely fine. We can respect that. But to say, oh, this car is better than the other car, it's really up to whoever's owning it, whoever's making the payments on it, right? Because you can't really make an opinion if I'm the one making a payment on it. But I think if you can learn to appreciate the beauty that each manufacturer model series has, then you can really come to understand that, hey, we can all play in the same field and enjoy the hobby as a group. For example, right. like the MN Cars and Coffee, I mean, you can see there's a wide array. Every type of vehicle that you could ever imagine having being built, it's there. Yeah, I mean, and I actually saw a little bit of this today. So I don't know if you knew about it, but there was like a summit for MNCEC, Minnesota Car Enthusiast Club, where basically all the clubs of Minnesota came together for mm-hmm. a big old meeting. Yeah. Um, that's the easy way of putting it. So today, Daniel Balto, he actually stepped down as president. So okay. he's getting replaced by someone else. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, but that aside, it was really cool to see how many different clubs there are. And I actually didn't see anyone I wasn't a fan of. I think everybody was there for all the right reasons, all mm-hmm. the right passions. And it was, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to see all these, like you got the Corvette guys over here, older guy, it looks like, you know, um, I don't know, 50s, 60s is my guess. And then you got like the Nordstern Porsche club mm-hmm. there. But then you got, you know, people that are young as me, you know, and I got the rally, and I'm in the same room with all these people in the car community. It's just such a wide range of people, you know. Right. So just really interesting to see, I guess. It is. It is. And it's, it's a family of automotive, automotive enthusiasts. Right. So what, what, what scares you about the car community? Is there anything that, that makes you nervous? I guess the takeovers for me, but I think, I think we're all going in the right direction these last couple of years in Minnesota. Yeah, what makes me nervous about the car community... Um, you know, you, you, you said at this meeting here that there were all these different clubs and different organizations, which right. I think is great because then they support each other and they create a family. I, I think we need more of that. And my fear, it's been potential, potential fear is that, you know, when we move over to this electric side that's coming up and it's, it's not, it's right, it's right. It's not even around the corner. It's, it's already the here. Versus the Teslas in the streets. <laughs> yeah. That, that we, my fear is that we have a, a divisive. And, and factioned automotive community of people who think that electric cars are superior to that of, you know, combustion engines. You know, and I see that now 
already. You know, I oh, yeah. because I, I, I own a Tesla, I participate in the forums and the Facebook groups and stuff. And you can see that there's an air of superiority for people who, who own electric cars. Right. And they don't necessarily see vehicles in the same light or perspective that you and I may have. There's some enthusiasts that have Teslas, right? Like I know some people have placed orders for plaids. They've gotten plaids, but then they also have, you know, seven, eight, 900 horsepower Porsches, you know, mm-hmm. so like, you know, real car enthusiasts, you know, with meth and you know, all that fun stuff. But like, it's interesting to see how car enthusiasts see Teslas versus people who are just Tesla enthusiasts. Right. But Tesla enthusiasts think they are car people. And there is a segment of of, of Tesla owners that do fit that. The Venn diagram for sure. Right, right. Maybe in the middle. But, um, you know, I'm part of a Tesla Model 3 performance group. And those guys are car guys. Okay. They're absolutely car guys. I'm mean, they're highly into mods, performance, tracking the car. Oh yeah. Everything that you and I would normally engage in for, you know, a combustion engine, they do the same thing, but in the electric space. Um, but for the normal Tesla user, the average general user, they're not as into the car culture, but they're into the technology. Right. They love everything that electric provides them. And I think there are inherent advantages, huge advantages of electric. Um, you have, for example, very low maintenance. You're not, you're not, you're not bringing your car in for oil changes well, and we'll such. we'll check back in 10 years. I mean, I, again, I'm all for electric. I mean, yeah. I think it has its place in the market. But mm-hmm. then, then there's people who say, like, well, 10 years when you replace the battery, blah, 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 blah. You know? Right. That's that's to be seen. And battery technology continues to evolve oh, at, yeah. at, a, at a rapid pace. Um, faster and faster. Yeah, yeah, faster and lighter, more efficient. Yeah. But we haven't really addressed the issue of recycling batteries. That's going to be a huge right? problem. Proper disposal. But think, think of it this, right? So when did the Prius come out? Was it late 90s or early 2000s? I think it was early 2000s when it first came out. So when you think, what was our communication back then? Email at best. Now you could talk to an employee. You can have all these different ideas that come out of nowhere way faster than before. So that kind of speaks to what you're saying is battery development's getting faster and better. And you have more people collaborating at once than ever before. Mm-hmm. And it's only just going to keep getting better. I mean, especially, you know, once more countries develop and all that fun stuff. But And you have competition in the global marketplace. Oh, yeah. Tesla right. set the playing field. I, dude, and here's the thing. People are like, oh, Lucid's going to be the Tesla killer. I'm going to tell you right now. Do you think Elon Musk cares if he takes second, third, or fourth in the marketplace? No, because he's already got a huge market share. Well, that, but he's also got genuine intentions, it seems. I mean, I... Some people aren't Elon Musk's fan. Elon Musk fans. I am personally. I just think he's a goofy goober uh, with a, with the right heart. But that said, he did set up the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Nobody else wanted to. He took on a colossal amount of debt when everybody was like, "That will never work." Mm-hmm. So, who was I talking to? I think it was Eric again, my title sponsor for Whiplash. Mm-hmm. We were discussing the horse. You know, how back in the day, you know, horses were a dime a dozen everywhere. That was your main mode of transportation. And then cars came along. Well, look today. Now we see horses, they're more for hobbyists, Mm -hmm. if anything. Mm -hmm. So that's how we may see the modern, current modern car play out to be. There will always be the enthusiasts in the future, even if the electric car does take over. That's right. And you know, the funny thing about a horse... And with the type of cars that we enjoy driving with the combustion engine, they'll all, they're all money pits. Oh, 1000%. <laughs> they'll remain that way. Yeah. And you know, will, will, in, uh, will the prices inflate potentially? I mean, you know, you, I mean, what does it cost to get a horse nowadays compared to, you know, 1905, you know, it's gotta be ridiculous. So I'm sure we'll, 
you know, be seeing Type R, like internal combustion engine Civic Type R is going for a million in the future. Who knows? But Oh, my goodness. You know what? Who knows? Nobody can predict. I mean, look at the current market right now for used vehicles and specialty vehicles, like high-performance ones, right. exotics. I mean, it's completely through the roof. And the question then is, will the pricing normalize? And I speculate that the pricing will normalize for cars that are mass-produced. But specialty ones, like let's say the 458 or uh, the last model, uh, Huracan, what is the STO? Those are going to skyrocket in price because they're right. highly sought after. They're not making them any longer. You know, automotive manufacturers moving over to hybrid or a full electric setup. You're not going to see those again. Right. And uh, that's a bit of a shame. But I think those prices will hold very well and continue to rise. While some of the more standard vehicles, they'll, they'll come back to normal and they're going to lose value. So Which is my crackpot theory, you know, because, well, granted, I, you know, again, my you know, dad being in the dealership and all that, I do know that what he believes and he believes prices will start dipping down. Now, the question is, is do they dip down or is it a crash? And here's where I believe a crash won't happen, right? Because, or at least normalized to whatever it was before, mm-hmm. because I believe at some point, like, it takes a while for new cars to come out and flood the market or whatever, because the reason all this happened was the supply chain issue. You know, it's not like all of a sudden we're going to snap our fingers and all the cars are back in the market. You know, everything normalizes. I think at that point, manufacturers will, I think it's just going to be the normal inflation, right? Because every year, you know, the 2021 Civic to the 2022 Civic, right? There's probably like a $500 bump in price. Yes, but the, the, the other thing to consider right now is because of the lack of volume, in right. available cars, the the uh, dealers are putting aftermarket. I'm sorry, um, markups on them. Right. Oh yeah. And Huge. that and that's under. Not not only that, the dealers don't offer as much negotiating room. They know they can sell them at MSRP. They know they can command five hundred, a thousand, two thousand, however much over, because people are willing to pay it. Right. Exactly. And you know the the question is is do those MSRPs also continue to inflate because. There's no competition, right? Because competition's everywhere. That's why the prices are so high because there is no new cars. I mean, granted, you know, in the new model, fewer, right? Way fewer. Yeah. So I feel like well, there's two reasons to that. Um, number one, you have less cars, right? Right. But then you have also the the cost of doing business. You, right. Everything has the commodities have become much more expensive. And so even, for example, right now the Teslas they've all gone up several thousand dollars. So if you want to buy a new one. You know, you have to figure out: am I going to am I going to buy a new one now at the thousand or two thousand dollar increase, or wait a year or perhaps two years, right. and take the risk that it may or may not go up again? Right, exactly. And it's such a weird time. And I guess you know, again, I'm exhausted. It's been a long day, but so I'm not explaining what I'm trying to get at here very well. But think of like you know, competition is what drives price down at the end of the day. If you have mm-hmm. all these different players, it's just going to go down over time. And that's where you know where where your point, you know, volume and all that comes into play. So I just think it's a time factor, but I don't know if there's ever going to be a big bubble burst like some people are saying. I don't know. I'm not certain about that. Um, I hope it doesn't happen. I'll be underwater. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be in trouble if I pick up this new whip. Well, we know know the cars, the used car market has to go back to its normal depreciation curve at some point. Yeah, the curve. That's the natural uh, progression. But how quickly that correction is or will there be an overcorrection? Likely there's there will an overcorrection. be overcorrection. That'd be scary. Likely there will be an overcorrection though. At Harry's some Ferrari point, is now for sale for two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, that won't happen to the four five eight because they don't make them anymore. 
Right. That's kind of where you're kind of safe, right? Now, granted, again, well, dips happen all the time, you know, but I, not necessarily because they don't make them anymore. Worst case scenario, the price increase slows down because I think they're like, what, 10% year over year right now, if not more? Yeah. Who, you who don't knows? pay attention to that stuff, obviously, because you love that car. Not very closely. No. Yeah. But if anything, it would just slow down, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would ever go negative. But if you're a car enthusiast and, and there's an inkling that the supply chain is going to come back to normal and things are going to get normalized in terms of the used car market, you know, you should get cash ready. You should be prepared for these things. You should be looking far ahead at what could happen and be prepared to take uh, advantage of that opportunity. Right. You know, uh, I don't know. I never know what's next. I mean, I kind of have an idea if, if I pulled the trigger on what I'm looking at this week. It seems like every podcast I'm looking at a different car, though. That's the thing, you know. A lot, I that, that's just what I'm known for. I have too many bold ideas, but I only act on the ones that make logical sense. And cars don't make sense to me right now. They don't, but it is a hobby. It is passion. It's uh, life is short. Right. You definitely want to drive a car that speaks to you. You know. You know. You've seen that the. Um, They've seen on the internet and posters and such. It's like if you, when you park your vehicle and if you don't look back at it, then you bought the wrong car. Right. There's so much truth to that. You know, it's that car that you buy is an extension of your authentic personality. That's unfortunate. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and and so I think driving the right car that speaks to you, I think, is is profound. You know, you only live so long. Well, that, that, that's an argument, but also what if life ends up being too long and you're car poor your whole life? That's the other aspect, right? Like, <laughs> listen, if I, if I am only going to live five or six years, buddy, I'm picking up a GTR tomorrow, you know? But if I live to be 80, oh, we might have to wait a few years. Otherwise, right. you know, I'll be check to check. There's a balance. Something that speaks right. to your heart, but also to your mind. Right. You got to you know, find the rough balance. Right. Exactly. I'm sure there's some, sometimes you, I'm sure even you consider like, all right, if I get rid of these cars and if I do this kind of loan for this long, maybe just maybe I can get this vehicle, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's another way to look at car purchases. You know, you are, if you're strategic about the type of cars that you buy, that would tend to hold better value over time. So no McLarens and Astons in here. You never know. It depends <laughs> on which McLaren you buy. If you buy a highly specific rare mclaren right like a 675 lt those are gonna always i mean they'll dip naturally but then you know when the time comes they'll rock it again in price yeah i think the cars that have limited editions for we were talking about the super earlier right so sometimes right. It, you know hey only 200 of these are being rolled out you know those tend to hold value very very well and in some instances if you buy right and you sell at the right time you'll lose very little and, right. and that's something to consider so if you buy Let's say just a normal GTR, right? right. That's going to that'll plummet. It, well, I don't know if it'll plummet. I mean, I mean they yeah. they're, well, they're holding somewhat in value, but like let's say a Nismo, those are around two hundred thousand dollars. Right. Those will hold value. Those are fairly limited, and I think for the final run of the uh, R thirty five series, they've come out with special paints. There's a midnight purple coming I don't out. Know if that's the official final run i think they talked about i don't know man it's just like the, it's kind of like what they're doing with the dodge challenger they're just trying to beat it to death they really know? need to put it to bed the, 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 and that's what the r36 will probably be it'll be a hybrid or a full electric we're just I'm waiting excited. for them to release it i'm just gonna say i know what, what was the uh the million dollar car that nissan made that was like the upgraded gtr or they had one that was kind of like showing what they could do but nobody it was ugly yeah it wasn't it was like a weird Ford GT looking car. Yeah, yeah. But it I, wasn't. It was a JDM GT. 
yeah, I don't remember what happened. I mean, we saw some of the, the photos of it, but I don't think it attracted as much t- attention as they were hoping it would. No, I mean, and then, you know, Nissan has their business background as well and all their issues, of course. But uh, isn't Nissan thinking of Nissan, right? That has all the business issues. Uh, with the CEO? Right, with the sketchy... Yeah, and I don't know what ended up happening if they were scapegoating him, but he's basically a fugitive. Yeah, because I remember he was trying to like escape in like a suitcase or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Lots, a lot of drama in the corporate world. Yeah, it's bananas, but mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what they come up with next. I mean, I, I think we're still living in the second golden age of cars. Without a doubt. Who would have imagined that they're releasing cars 700 plus horsepower? Right. Oh, dude, it's going to be a scary world when you can pick one of those up for 10 Gs 20 years from now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Because yeah. look at what old Mustangs are doing right now. And, you know, like, I mean, there's a reason they're called crowd killers because it's the cheapest horsepower out there. What about, I mean, you saw, we briefly saw when Hellcats dipped into like the $35,000, $40,000 range. Oh, yeah. It's scary. Scary who, who can actually the get behind it. 27% APRers picked them up. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, we're going to smoke these tires. <laughs> Oh, it was entertaining, though. It was entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that kind of leveled a little bit. But, yeah, it's an interesting time to be a yeah. car enthusiast. Well, it'll easily you'll easily be able to match that degree of horsepower with the electric cars that are coming out, right? The Plaid, the Tesla Plaid, I believe, is over 1,000 horsepower. So it's not difficult for electric cars to be able to go fast. Right. They just can't. They just don't have the, they don't have the top speeds yet, from my understanding. Because mm. I think, what, the Model S, I think, tops out like, 160-ish? That's still plenty fast. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that in a Type R. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Type R has a top speed of 165 or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like, imagine getting smoked by a Civic in your $130,000 Tesla, which I don't think that would ever happen, but that'd be a fun race to see. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, I mean, I know that we can only talk for so long, but... I mean, unless you want to keep going, I can, you know, a few more minutes is fine. I never shut up. You don't want to start another conversation. (laughs) But that said, I, I'm really happy to have had you on here because again, this is just a platform I'm trying to build for car enthusiasts. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to have a large variety of people on here over time, I hope. Uh, But we'll see where this podcast kind of keeps going. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have plenty of conversations. It'll be kind of fun to get our tail of the dragon group together. Oh yeah. People like Joe and Trung and, you know, we'll get some liquor involved. We'll see how that goes. But, <laughs> you know, the fun thing about our community, we have a lot of unique cars, but we also have unique people. Oh, yeah. You know, the cars are, are, are have quite a bit of personality, but the actual drivers behind them are even more entertaining. So spending time with them, learning about their story, for example, through these podcasts, you speak with these and they're just so entertaining, so... They become people rather than a car owner. Because here's <laughs> the thing, you know, like, uh, for example, when I first met you, right, I was like, oh, it's the guy with the Chrome NSX. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ended up giving you a ride home when I met you at Alex's uh, garage when he was ceramic coating your That's old right. NSX, or your yep. current NSX. Yep. And, you know, I was like, oh, sure, I'll give you a ride. You live, you know, right here, right next to me. And... Yeah, that's when my brakes were pretty much fading on my charger at the time. You know, we could have died. It's okay. You're like, oh, this lunatic. Um, that was that was a dude. I know you didn't notice it because it's a slow car, but I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't realize killed. my life was in danger. I, I was like, I almost killed Terry today. I just <laughs> met him, the Chrome NSX guy. But the point I'm trying to make here is like, you know, all a lot of the guys are in group. You know, I, I always kind of. I don't know if the word is envy, but I kind of admired from a distance. You know, I kind of like you know. 
put I put you guys on a pedestal and then I met you guys. I'm like, oh, this is a normal fucking dude. Oh yeah, you know, part of my French, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I almost made the whole show without an f bomb. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah, the type of car doesn't define the person. I mean, you no there shot. There's a guy driving a $10,000 car, there's a guy driving a million dollar car. They could both be the nicest guys in the world. Um unfortunately, there are people out there that will make try to make other people feel less because they don't have as much, but that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I think, you know, regardless of what you make, we still enjoy this hobby together. You right. know, and, and it doesn't care what your income bracket is. If if you're a, a d bag, you're a d bag, right? I mean, like you said, it's always an extension of yourself. We mm-hmm. know certain people in a community who have Lamborghinis and are amazing people. We know other people who used to have Lamborghinis and who aren't amazing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just kind of it varies, man. It's just an extent, like you know, whether it's money or cars or whatever. It's just it, it always amplifies who you are as a person. I think this is always going to be a topic. Absolutely, one hundred percent. If you're an a hole with no money. And you end up with, let's say, $10 million. You're just an a-hole amplified 10 million times. Right. Yep. (laughs) That's the best way to put it. But, yeah. So, I mean, completely lost my point that I was getting. Oh, yeah. You know, know, it's just kind of crazy to think. Like, you know, know, people who I used to look up to. And granted to say, I still kind of do, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, role models and all that fun stuff. But it's kind of weird to build a circle like that. You know, just be a part of that. Like, for example, if I ever meet the guy who owns the Chiron or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, what if he's the ultimate Bud Light guy? You know, like, he probably watches the Vikings, throws the beer at the TV. We don't know. Yeah, he's um, probably a normal guy. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that he has a few cool cars. Mm-hmm. So that, that was just, I don't know, just an interesting thing to me, I suppose. Yeah, and I would say for the audience, when you see a guy with a very, very nice car, you know, you shouldn't be intimidated. You know, you, no feel, shy, you should feel more than comfortable going up to him, asking about his vehicle, because he, just like every other guy at the car show, is more than happy to talk about his car. And that's why he brought it there. Well, here's where I push back, because I, I, I think I mentioned this before, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. But here's the thing. When, like, when somebody walks up to you, you might not mind, but sometimes it's like, oh, cool, is this a Huracan? Or is this a 458? Yes, mm-hmm. it's a 458. What's it got done to it? Uh, it's stock or whatever. You know, granted, yours is modified, so you can have a little more conversation. But some people just go into these uh, interactions purely for the sake of networking and not for wanting to be friends with someone. Whereas, versus me, you know, I was just like, oh, let's get a photo shoot. Let's just be friends. Let's be pals or whatever. But mm-hmm. I know certain people in the car community who thrash on certain cars. They just network for the sake of networking. So that's kind of... Delicate yeah. balance. Yeah, but I think that's in the minority. Oh, far minority. Yeah, right. Yeah. Most so people are very cool. They're outliers, outliers, without yeah. a doubt. And people always enjoy talking about their babies. Oh, especially know? if you know what you're talking about, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And But they're, they're, if, even if it's a young child that's 12 years old that well, asks to sit in a car, sure. or a 17-year-old that wants to sit in your car, absolutely. I mean, I think a majority of the car community is more than happy to oblige. Yeah, as long and, as and allow them to and all that fun stuff. Exactly. Be respectful. Um I think sometimes <laughs> some of the uh, some of the attendees may not be the most respectful, like touching the cars when, yeah, the, when they're not a coke into the engine bay <laughs> and putting out a cigarette on a. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of respect to go around, you know, and so we want to keep the community healthy. And um, have I can't a... believe people don't understand that sometimes. Though, like I remember uh, the Minneapolis Mile two or three years ago, whatever the first mm-hmm. one was, and I remember there was like a Lamborghini. Aventador there and this kid in a Batman costume just kept like touching it and the guy kept putting on his lawn. No, it wasn't a Lamborghini. It was a Ford GT 
And he, the guy kept setting off his alarm because the kid kept touching the car. And his mom's sitting right there. It's like, mm-hmm. are you going to smack that kid? Or are you going to at least pull him away? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a mutual respect there. I think, I'm not sure how many young listeners I have, but I think, I mean, maybe one day I'll be, you know, who knows. But I think it's just kind of a matter of just being respectful and polite. It is. And there's there's signage, uh, or at least it's in the ads, you know, for the Facebook posts. It says, hey, you know, be respectful of the cars. Don't touch them, so on and so forth. But I mean, maybe having repeated signs well, yeah, at the event would be good. Getting to know people, right? Because the only reason that you and I are still friends is because I wasn't an a-hole. You know, because I, I, I'd like to think I'm relatively polite. We're going we're gonna to do a survey of your audience to determine if that's true. Dude, that'd be a good... I, I found out some things about me that I didn't even know from <laughs> other people, looks like. So, you know, but uh, I'd like to think I'm kind of kind. I guess that's a later problem. I just dropped a few too many F-bombs. There's a lack of intellect on my part. <laughs> Harris is a very genuine person. That's why I love being around you. I love our friendship that we've had for so many years. You are who you are, and, and you're transparent, and you're consistent. Yeah. And not only that, he's extremely hardworking. Um, the relationships that he's built in this car community are likely to stand the test of time because he is consistent, you're predictable, and you're authentic. I'm predictably unpredictable sometimes. That's the other thing. Cause, and, you know, this is something I've developed in the recent past in the last one or not one, like the last two or three years. You know, I've always, I realized, like, why fake it? You know, like, listen, granted, our conversation, I one F-bomb, I'm proud of that. But genuinely, I mean, when I say stuff, when I, when I do stuff, it's with a passion, you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and sometimes do I get burned? You know, I got burned recently. Yeah, of course it happens. But at the end of the day, I, I know where I stand now. I mean, I had... I don't want to say an identity crisis recently. I was just like... It's part of your growth. It's part of your growth. Yeah. And that's what it is, you know. Uh, So just kind of diving into that. And I think some people figure out earlier than others. You know, Walt Disney figured it out when he was 80. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to peak this early you know you're saying i'm peaking Terry? no no i'm saying Poor you don't words. no i'm, I'm hoping that podcast. you don't peak right <laughs> and i'm hoping that whiplash your the new rally that you have coming up is highly successful um, i'm looking I, I one of the things i enjoy about being your friend is watching your growth seeing you evolve seeing the relationships that you create watching your mind go as you build this business that's fascinating right. to me i like watching that you know i think someone I wish I could see myself through the eyes of Marcus, the gentleman who used to mm-hmm. be at the Auto Motorplex, mm-hmm. because he's probably one of my older friends in the car community who knows me professionally, at least, uh-huh. you know, like who's been along the whole way. Like he's one of the people I reach out to when I'm having a tough time. I'm like, hey, I don't know how to handle this, you know, and I have a multiple amount of people for that, you know, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's one of the people that kind of saw me back in the day where I didn't know what I was doing. So this, I mean, dude. Picking up automotive photography is the best thing I've ever done, and I sucked at it at first. So, uh, And you're absolutely amazing now. Dude, I, here's the thing. Because of my personality, maybe it's the way I grew up or something, you know, I know some days I know how amazing I am. Other days I'm like, I know exactly where I could have done better and where I left something on the table. And that's just something that I'll know. You'll never know. And some of the photos you look, in the last few photos uh-huh. that I did of, like, for example, Ryan's Lambo, mm-hmm. I know what I could have done better. But the question is, is is it within my capabilities? But that's where you continue to challenge yourself for oh, yeah. for continuous improvement. And that's how you get to that next level every very single time. You're critical of yourself, <laughs> but yet you evolve, you find solutions, you adapt, and you grow. 
Right. And, and, and you, people will always be chasing you when it comes to how great you are as an automotive photographer. And there, there's a handful of them in our car community that continue to evolve. Year after year, you said, good God. There's some really These good are insane. Some and they keep people. getting better. And that's what I hope to see of you. Yeah. Your photos are amazing, but can they get even better? Oh, I know how they many, can. How many orders of magnitude can you make? Uh, can, can you improve these? And here's the thing for me. And sometimes, I don't know if I say this out loud. I try not to say it out loud because I do try to keep my ego in check in certain aspects. Sometimes you just got to let it rip. But uh, I always feel a good run coming on. You know, I always, I, I can always, like, whenever I come out of, uh, not, not like a downturn or a downside in my life, then I'm like, all right, we're going to go on the run of a lifetime right now. And every mm-hmm. single downturn I have is followed by an awesome uptrend. So, like, the recent photos of, Lambo dad, you know, like mm-hmm. I was uh, kind of, you know, putzing along, doing photos here and there. And then those photos came mm-hmm. and the cycle just happens every couple months. It's just like, all right, just trying to keep it level. Yeah. It reminds me of our body transformation challenge. Yeah. It's a fitness challenge. And, uh, you know, every 90 days we're going through these cycles of continuous improvement and challenging right. ourselves to uh, eat clean and exercise consistently. And it's the same thing with your work ethic. You know, regardless right. if it's fitness or photography or work or family, the idea here is to continuously push yourself beyond your comfort zone to excel to to levels that you have never seen before. And that becomes the new standard. So it's like five years from now, I hope that you evolve in such a way that we see this progression of growth, of, of growth maybe even at an exponential rate. So you're telling me I'm going to have abs and a GTR. Perfect. <laughs> We're going to make it happen. GTR, maybe. <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we aim for your Lambo? Well, here's the thing, and I, I, some people notice, but I have the vision in my head, and recently I started saying it out loud to myself because I want to, you know, do it. Some when I tell people I want an SVJ, they're like, "That's not possible." And my brother even tried to be like, "Well, dude, just get an SV. The SVJ is just an extra wing or whatever." Listen to me, it's the SVJ or nothing, you know. And is can you go higher than that? Absolutely, I want an A12, F12, whatever, you know, the whatever, name it off. If you wanted an SVJ. In five years, you could absolutely do it. There's, there's, there's no reason why you couldn't do it. Why do you think I'm doing this? If you want to do in three years, you could. There are very strategic strategies. Thirty percent APR financing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, get your credit up. Get your credit up. No, it's up now. That's why I'm considering this car. Um, But no, and here's the thing: the when I when I tell people why I'm doing the podcast, dude, this the podcast will it make me money? Very, very unlikely. But I, there's an avenue for it, but that's not going to give me an SVJ. What's going to give me an SVJ is the relationships and friendships that I build and the people I meet at the end of the day. That's what I care about. I, I, I'm here for the stories, you know, they, and stories, and I mean this in, the, in a wholesome way, stories and passion is what gets you what you want materialistically. But there's no, there, there's nothing negative to say about turning this into a venture that has a monetary component to it. Yeah, but I'm not going to be no Joe Rogan. The podcast gets you a Lamborghini an episode, but... <laughs> you never know. I mean, why? Why is money a bad thing? Why is saying, hey, my goal uh, in, in operating this podcast, in two years I want to have an SVJ. Why? What's but, wrong with that? Well, I'm just thinking like, how... You know how many people would need to listen for my CPMs or whatever to afford an SVJ? <laughs> you, put that, you put that on your goal, as a goal. Put that on the dream board. If you are very specific and linear in, in how you're going to get, uh, create a pathway in order to get there, 
it is achievable. If you simply just put it out as a as just a, an airy, puffy dream, as, oh, eventually I want to do that. Right. No, you're exactly. not going to get there. Yep. If you write it down and you make it well known to your audience, your family, your friends, that this is what's going to happen. These are the metrics in order for me to be able to um, achieve in order to get to those goals. It's very possible. That's what I'm saying. Anybody who has a dream of a specific car, and it can be any type of vehicle they want, it's absolutely achievable. The question then is how you get there. And if you don't know the answer, right. then you recruit subject matter experts. You talk to people who have done it and have done it well, and it's repeatable. But I can guarantee you, if you and I were to have a sit down and say, hey, Terry, how, how am I going to be able to achieve getting an SVJ in three, four, five years? I'm going to tell you this is a way to do it, and it's absolutely achievable. The question is, are you willing to put forth the effort in order to do it? Right, exactly. You know, and this is actually literally my caption on yesterday's post where I, with the fitness model, it's like everybody wants the dream, but nobody wants to work for it. And, you know, here's the thing. I know what I leave on the table every single day. Like, you know, and I know I could have made one or two more emails at work or a few more call, cold calls, whatever. Mm -hmm. I know exactly that it's all um, compounding at the end of the day. But... No, I, uh, in all honesty, I, I know that I can get an SVJ before 30, if not sooner, because I, I have a few game plans. I've learned from a lot of people who own businesses locally, how they did it, what their plans are by 2023. And if this person listens to this podcast, they know exactly who they are, but you know, it's just a matter of knowing when to save and knowing when to spend and just having the knowledge to go forward with it. But just knowing the people. And that's kind of why, again, where I bring this back, the podcast, that's not going to be the source of income. It's going to be the source of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that's for me or for anybody listening, that could be a wombo combo right there too. And that, mm -hmm. you know, who knows? But uh, at the end of the day, I just love talking to people. Yep. There's a wealth of knowledge in, in the people that you're interviewing, but also in the car community. So that networking aspect that you were talking about, um, it's inherent, all right? I mean, naturally, you go to a car show, you're going to meet some great people. Um, but pick their brains beyond just, hey, what kind right, of car do you have, right? Yeah. Yeah. Small, you build a relationship. You build a friendship. Yeah, because, like, for example, I mean, it took me forever to ask you, you know, what you did in the past, right? Because, again, not everybody, I don't know if you are or not, but whether people are open about that. Because some people, you know, they're here for the car stuff. They, they want to get away from the day job. But some people, they mm -hmm. don't mind talking about it. They're like, oh, yeah, I do this, 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 and this, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And this is how I got this. So it really depends. It's just, again, cultivating friendships and relationships. Right, and you and you're never, it's never going to hurt you, right? To if you do, if you are smart about it, patient, respectful, mm -hmm. it'll never hurt you. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and you do it with good intent. Yeah, that and that's what it comes down to is intent, and you know, you can tell this is my passion. And again, with the way I talk, if I mess up, I always in the first say, "Listen, I'm an idiot." You know, like how many people say that out loud? You know, and I, I can tell it bothers people when I say that too. Like, listen, I'm an idiot when I'm saying this following thing. And they're just like, no, you're not. I'm like, listen, I am. You know? But that's what makes you transparent. You know, people, people who can acknowledge and identify their own flaws have the opportunity to grow. Right. And I think, uh, I honestly think I'm probably one of the best at this. Probably because I was raised by immigrant parents, you know, because, you know, my parents would always be like, why did you do that? And I'll be like, I don't know. No, no, no. Tell me, why did you do that? And I, I feel like my parents instilling that at an early age, you know, I think that might be why I'm just so good at self-reflecting. If I were to, if this was a therapy session, I feel like we may have come to the bottom of the barrel here to see where that, <laughs> why I'm so self-reflective. But because even like I just had my review for work, right? My manager's like, 
oh, dude, that is so critical because some of these guys, you know, they don't know, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. to self-reflect. And I think that is the most valuable thing is to ask questions of yourself and people around you. So do we want to wrap this up or do we want to keep going? Dude, no, no, that's good. I that could be, be a different segment. That's the, you know, uh, life's lessons, right? That's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I'll put this yeah. bad boy. What are we at here? We're at an hour and seven minutes. This That's like 20 minutes more than you wanted to do. So well, that's okay. I'm good at talking. I told you. Yeah, but the, the business side of things, I mean, if we ever did a, a future conversation is like, how could we provide a pathway or support or guidance for people who want to achieve their goals. And that's next for me on Whiplash because, you know, for me, and I think this, you know, Reed Cowles is making fun of me for this, you know, untapped potential that I wrote on that one 90-day transformation post. You know, for me, that that's a big thing. Is a lot of people, they don't have the blueprint, you know, to figure it out. And there's a lot of people out there giving you a quote-unquote blueprint, but some people just... I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think of it as a blueprint. I think of it as building blocks because right. there is no blueprint. There isn't. Everybody, has, their, their path to success is completely different. But there are core fundamental, fundamental building blocks that are absolutely essential. And you'll find these common with all highly successful people where yeah. we Bezos or... Uh, Elon Musk or Gates. Anything that's non-negotiable. Yeah, there are very important basic building blocks and they don't teach you these things in school now they may teach you these things in business school but that's right that's after high school right they're not going to teach not you not everybody gets that right exactly so those who are willing to listen and, and and engage with people who have done it they can take away some of those nuggets apply it to their own life and find their own pathway of success so anybody can do it if you're willing to put in the effort and you can hit you have to seek out the knowledge you know, because uh, recently I gave my friend uh, two books that changed, mm-hmm. three books actually that changed, well, two books that changed my life and then one of the books by the same author or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll get into this in another episode, but basically, you know, those are the two books that turned my entire life around. When I read it, I was like, what? Books are written this way? I thought it was just these, you know, fairy stories or, you know, fiction, nonfiction, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I read this book, I was like, whoa, it shocked my entire world. I was like, I didn't know books are written this way. And I... It sucked me in. And then, you know, I got, you know, they kind of counterbalance each other, but they're written similarly. And, you know, I wasn't doing too hot in high school. Like, I mean, I had like 1.4 GPA one those semesters, you know, it was bad. Uh, not a good group of friends. And I turned, I turned that franchise around, baby. You know, it's like we're, we're the Patriots on the uptrend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like gl- a Tom Brady. <laughs> well, I'm glad you figured it out. And again, everybody comes to their own maturity at a different phase in their life. Yeah. Yeah. But good right. deal. Yeah, well, well, if you ever want to do one in the future, we can certainly do that. Oh, but... we can absolutely do more. I, I definitely want some quote-unquote regulars here. Mm-hmm. Not even regulars, just, you know, whenever. Just chop it up, see what we come up with. Yeah, you know, so today's podcast was kind of a you know coffee-side chat, you know, about, and that's what these about are, random, but... things, yeah. random things. But, you know, having specific topics right. uh, I think would be really impressive because then you can bring in people who would be appropriate for that topic and have them all discussing at the same time. Right. Like for example, shop owners, uh, locally of shops, like for example, I would love to have John Wayne one of these days. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that's one of those relationships I haven't quite built yet. I mean, I know him, you know, we talk well, but I feel like, well, uh, just different shop owners around here would be great. Cause that, that's very specific, I suppose, but it is. And, else? and you would imagine, I would imagine that they've got some pretty amazing customer stories. Oh, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> and, and some of those customers can go nameless, but I, it would be some pretty juicy stuff. 
Oh, I'm sure. I, yeah, there's, there's a few people I've talked to. We'll, we'll see. I mean, this is one of those things that I'm just kind of just going with the flow. Good, but good. trying to guide it the right direction. But that said, because I know we are, we're doing a Minnesota goodbye now. So I think it's about time that we wrap this up. And thank you very much for hopping on, on the microphone. It was an honor. Thank you. Good time. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll see you guys next episode.